So as you see, that last phrase is our today. I believe in the resurrection of the body and the life everlasting. Now, when you get into some of this stuff about resurrection, heavens and the earth coming together, when we're absent in the body is to be present in the Lord, that when we take our last breath here on earth, that we will immediately be in the presence of Jesus Christ. And that in one day in the future down the road, he will... Everything will be resurrected, bodily resurrected. We'll get into all of that. But as you hear all of this, you can get lost in the weeds. You can get sort of forgetting the big point. Like, if you're a dad of a a daughter like I am, you get all these little cards left around. I love you, Dad. There you go. There's There's your Hallmark moment for the day. Little stickers, XOXO, for Dad, love Caraway. It's my daughter. Here's a card. Dad, I love Dad. Stickers, drawing. You know what I don't do with these? I don't sit down with her and say, you know what? Would you, do, would you explain to me the purpose of this sticker? Why did you scribble this in such a way? No, no, no. The big point is I love my dad, Right? And sometimes when we hear these words of the Bible about resurrection, life eternal, we just get back to the big, the big point here, and that is that Jesus is life, that he is life, and he has come to bring life, and that in the life that is to come for those that trust in him, he will invite, he has invited us to sit at his table. We won't just, he won't be floating by on a cloud every two million years or something. There is an intimacy that he invites us into these words. You, you feel this intimacy of it that I don't understand the minutiae of all of this, but what I do know is that Jesus is life and that he is our hope, that our hope is more than just getting out of hell free card, but that it is, it, if you're loving Jesus Christ in this life, it will continue on into the next. There will be no uh, roadblock to that. And when you read the book of Revelation, it is really a book of hope. Now, to some of us, there are 66 books in the Bible. Some of us, we only have 65. Like, the book of Revelation says more than we might care to know, right? It's like, well, I'm just going to stay away. I'm not going to do it. It reminds me of a friend in school that did a book report in fifth grade. My friend of mine did a book report on whales. And his book report was one sentence. And it said, this book says more about whales than I care to know. That was his book report. He got an F. He got an F. Some people read Revelation like, oh, this says more than I care to know. Horns, beasts, Jezebel. Now, other people, you may know the other type, that Revelation is the only book in their Bible. And their fallout shelter is stocked. And the ammo is ready, and they're ready for it all to fall apart. But no, Revelation is a book of hope. It's a book of, of really a, of resurrection, of, all, of not just us going to heaven, but heaven coming to us one day when that bodily resurrection occurs, the resurrection of all creation. Look, listen to the hope in these words of Revelation 21. The Apostle John writes, Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth, for the old heaven... And the old earth had disappeared, and the sea was also gone. And I saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem, coming down from God out of heaven like a bride, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, See, 
The home of God is among mortals. He will dwell with them. They will be his peoples, and God himself will be with them. He will wipe every tear from their eyes. Death will be no more. Mourning and crying and pain will be no more. For the first things have passed away. We're in a, we're in a Romans 8 world right now. We're in the groaning portion of this. We're, in the, we're aching for this to happen. We're seeing the birth pangs that lead up to what John is describing. And the one who is seated on the throne said, See, I am making all things new. Also, he said, write this, for these words are trustworthy and true. What a hope that we patiently wait for God to make all things new, and he will make you new. Yes, when we die, like I said, we will be with the Lord, and then one day we'll be bodily resurrected. But we hope in these things. Hope is an unseen engine in your life. You hope for all sorts of things. That's what drives you throughout your day. You hope that my, this test I'm going to take will go well. I hope my first day in school will go well. I hope this, this, and this work. That our hope drives our decisions. We lean on what's important to us. We do what's important to us. Now, not all things that we hope for are worthwhile. Not all things people hope in give life. There is such a thing as misplaced hopes and therefore misplaced loves. People and money make terrible gods. And that's what many times people hope in. But when you're following Jesus Christ and you're giving your life to him, you're essentially saying, I'm a, please reorder my loves, reorder my hopes into the correct way that I'm going to hope in you, the person of Jesus, and not all of these other things. Like I said, people and money can make terrible gods in which to put your hope. Over the past few years, there have been many billionaires that have been trying to, to defeat death, believe it or not. And I gave them my own acronym that I came up with. It's called Billionaires Against Death, or BAD, BAD. And they are spending, mil- seriously, they're spending millions and millions of dollars to try and defeat death. Now, there's one guy named P- Peter Thiel who has invested millions into a thing called the SINS Foundation, trying to find rejuvenation biotechnology. There's Russian transhumanist billionaire Dmitry Itzkov, who has a thing called the 2045 Initiative that he hopes by that year to be create, have created in a mortal human body or just a holographic version of yourself. That sounds like a blast. But the billionaire who brings the most fiery passion to the cause is founder of the technology company Oracle, Larry Ellison, who's worth $117 billion, who is spending the most on lifespan development processes. And he says a good question here. Death makes me very angry, he said. It doesn't make any sense to me. Death has never made any sense to me. How can a person be there and then just vanish, just not be there? I appreciate the honesty in that. I've certainly thought that. I know you have too. And so instead of hoping in God, in the promises of Jesus, we're trying to put people into a hologram or freeze their heads and bring them back to life one day. So, of course, technology has done a lot to alleviate suffering and help with aging, of course, but being angry at death doesn't fix the problem. That our hope is rooted in Jesus' resurrection, that Jesus is life. 
just as he lives, we also shall live. These words of John 14, 19, post-resurrection Jesus. We get a picture of what our post-resurrection bodies will look like. And that Jesus has a corporeal form, and he's physical, and he's eating, and he's talking, and yet he disappears. He walks through walls. I don't understand that, but we see a, a picture of what is to come for those that hope in Christ. And this is what he says to Mary at those 40 days after his resurrection. In a little while, the world will no longer see me, but you will see me because I live. You also will live. So this is the hope that we offer to someone like Larry Ellison, founder of Oracle, is we believe in the resurrection of the body. Not just the resurrection of the soul, but the resurrection of the body, the entirety of who you are, that God has looked at creation, and even though it has fallen on this earth, I think God still says, it is good. It is good that Jesus said, for God so loved the world that he gave his son. Not for God so loved your soul that he gave his son. Jesus was raised bodily from the dead, and so shall we. See what? In this life, we don't just go up into heaven, but Revelation gives us that picture of heaven also coming to us in a new creation, a new restoration of all things. Our destiny in heaven is not just to be a cloud potato with a harp. That there's more to it than that. I remember as a kid, I've told the story before, I was a kid in, in church, I would, of course, be bored, and I would take a Bible in front of me and I would flip to Revelation and I would read the back because I want to see how the story ends and <laughs> I want to get to the good stuff, right? <laughs> I'm impatient and, and there I see Revelation 22, 23 where there's this, this uh, eternal worship happening. Holy, 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 crowns being put down at his feet. There's a multitude of people that can't even count of every tribe and nation that John reports. I remember reading all of that and thinking, man, I got to go to a church service for all eternity. Like, I got to wear a robe and, and all that. But when you're a kid, you don't understand that. You don't get what it's all about. But there's more to it than what is to come. Now, one of my favorite gospel songs that I played a lot, I've sung a lot, I've sung at funerals for people, is I'll Fly Away. You guys know that song? Uh, come on, help me out here. I don't have a banjo on me. I'll fly away. Now, the song was written by Alfred Brumley. It's been performed by Hank Williams, Johnny Cash, Andy Griffith, and Kanye West. Who knew? And I've sung it quite a few times. It has, it's a story, it's a song of hope and a song of resurrection and a song of victory, but it's only the part of it. It's about the soul being with the Lord, getting away. But that's not the whole picture, is that also one day all things will be resurrected. I guess you can't really fit that into verse. But that, that's only half of the story, that our hope is not just beginning at death and then bye-bye, evil world. But our hope is today, and it goes on into eternity, that it's going to be good because it's going to be God. That the, that the unending beauty of who God is. In God's presence, there is want of nothing. There is need of nothing that you'll never lose the wonder of that experience that I couldn't understand as a little boy reading Revelation, but now I know. You'll never lose that wonder and the joy in his presence. So when John wrote Revelation, 
Right? Many times the Apostle Paul describes things. They're doing the best they can with the words they have. When they say things like the walls of the city of God had things on it like jasper or diamonds. They're, 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 what they're doing is trying to, as Paul said, I'm trying to explain to you inexpressible things. Things beyond language that can be communicated right now on this side of heaven. That Jesus' bodily resurrection is not just a project to snatch people from earth into heaven, but here and now also to colonize the earth with heaven. People of salt and light. One day culminating in that Revelation 21 picture. The resurrection is not just about us marching into heaven, but about marching into the world to show the world a glimpse of heaven. Amen? And then, then we continue on into that place. I had a conversation with someone recently where they very honestly told me, I believe that when I die, I'll just, there'll be nothing. And they said, well, before I was born, I don't remember anything. So when I die, I won't remember anything. And I didn't want to judge them or shame them. That's all, people certainly believe that. But that statement is underscored by the, they, they, what, they, what they believe is that because of death, that life is therefore valueless. Because death exists, it reaches back over your life and taints everything it touches, right? Because death exists. It seems like, well, that's all there is. But we're a people of hope. We don't, we don't mourn or even grieve without hope. We still grieve in hope. When I pray for Haiti or Afghanistan, we pr I pray with hope. When someone asks me to pray for them, I pray with hope. That whether it's life or death, we, because of Christ, where our lives have purpose. That he is life. He is life. The message of the resurrection of the body is this. And this is what I would tell, I told the person that said, I believe when I die, there's nothing. What I would say to them is, is that you matter to God. All of you matters. The entirety of who you are, body, mind, and soul, all of it is loved by God. So there's so much more after death. The Apostle Paul in 1 Corinthians 15 teaches extensively, argues extensively for the resurrection of the body. And that God knows in order for there to be resurrection, death must happen first. And that God knew that, and so he has made a way through Christ for us to make a way through death, through the curse, through judgment. But in order for her to do that, the, the perishable body we have, it must take on imperishability in order to receive things that are imperishable. 1 Corinthians 15, starting in verse 50. What I'm saying, brothers and sisters, is this. Flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God, nor does the, imperishable, the, the perishable inherit the imperishable. Listen, I will tell you a mystery. We will not all die, but we will all be changed like Christ was after his resurrection. In a moment, in the twinkling of an eye, at the last trumpet, for the trumpet will sound and the dead will be raised imperishable and we will be changed. For this perishable body must put on imperishability and this mortal body must put on immortality. When this perishable body puts on imperishability and this mortal body puts on immortality, then the saying that is written will be fulfilled. Death has been swallowed up in victory. 
Where, O death, is your victory? Where, O death, is your sting? So, I've had people ask me too, well, what if I get blown apart by a bomb, or, or I'm buried at sea, or I'm cremated, or what have you? God is big enough to handle all of that. So, no matter which way it happens, God raises all things to new life at the end of all time. So, we, the resurrection of the body is critical in that we believe that what God has made is still good, and he will make it good. So, we don't have a Gnostic that soul is good, body bad, belief system, but that he will redeem all things. So, and also there's that, and the, we believe in the life everlasting. The topic of heaven is a fascinating topic. Even if you're not a religious person, you want to talk about heaven. If, if, if you even believe it exists, you maybe still want to hear about it. We love hearing stories, I do too, of people who have died and come back from heaven. They explain hearing music they've never heard before. They've seen colors They've never seen before. They saw friends and family. There's all these things about heaven. The same person that told me, I believe when I die, there's nothing. I was born from nothing. When I die, there will be nothing. What I told them was, no. Heaven is a place with buildings and streets and plants and water. It's not a joke or a metaphor. But it's a real place. Jesus says, I go ahead of you to prepare a place for you. In my Father's house, there are many rooms. The city of God in Revelation 21 coming down to redeem the heavens and the earth with the people of God. In heaven, there's food. We all like food. It reminds me of a story of an older couple that died at the same time. And they go up into heaven and they meet with, of course, as it always goes, there's Peter. Peter's always the tour guide in these stories. Peter starts to show them around and shows them a golf course, a beautiful golf course, 18 holes, unlimited play, no green fees. And the, the older man says, what? how much does this cost? No, Peter said, no, it's free. Like, it's heaven. It's free. You don't have to pay for it. Then, then they, they get to this beautiful building with, uh, with ornate decoration. How much is it? It's free. You don't understand. You don't have to pay for anything. It's heaven. They get to this enormous table with the most beautiful food ever you've ever seen in your life. And the older man said, where's the low cholesterol table? Where's the gluten-free table? Where's, the, where's, the, where's all of that? And Peter said, no, no, you don't understand. You're not going to gain weight here. There's no disease here. You don't have to worry about any of that. He turned to his wife and said, if you hadn't been feeding me these blasted bran muffins for 10 years, we would have been here already. <laughs> so there's food in heaven. There's feasts. In heaven, we're invited to his table. I don't know what that'll be like, but I look forward to it. Also in heaven, there's people, a lot of people, more than we can count. Like God cares about people. He always has and he always will. Now some of us are in introverts. Maybe you'll get your own room, but there will be people. And here's the best part. All the people will get along. I look forward to that day, too. But how can we make that happen here and now also, ahead of time? The tree of life is back in heaven. And that from the throne of God comes, he says it's like water, crystal-like water. And, and up next to that is the tree of life. And of, on the leaves, the leaves provide healing to the nations. God is going to continue to create. And in fact, he never stopped. 
making things new, bringing life to all things he has made. There will be animals in heaven. I think dogs do go to heaven, animal lovers out there. Now, I've owned a cat in the past. I'm not so sure about cats. Check out this video real quick and you see what I mean. I'm not so sure about cats. I don't know. Look what this cat does. Nope. Evil. Ahmad, you feel me? No, cats would be in heaven too. I'm kidding. Animals. You know who else is in heaven is God. God is in heaven. That's where God, the fullness of who God is, dwells. Wherever God is, there is life. There is light. There is joy. I think a great snapshot of heaven also is music in the life everlasting. Constant music. Choirs of angels. In John Wesley's journal, March 29, 1782, he wrote this while he was serving communion. This always has fascinated me, this story. He wrote this down. He, he experienced this. Being Good Friday, I came to Mansfield to assist with services that day. While we were administering the sacrament to 1,300 people, I heard a low, soft, solemn sound like that of an alien harp. It continued five or six minutes, and it affected many that they could not refrain from tears. It then gradually died away. That for whatever reason, in that, in that moment of worship, the, that, that the real thinness, heaven's not as far away as we think it is, the spiritual world. It's this thinness to it. God decided to let them hear just a glimmer of what this, the music of heaven sounded like. And it was so beautiful, people, it said, they could not refrain from tears. So I was curious to see what a harp sounds like. I've never heard an Aeolian harp. Apparently, there are people on YouTube that put harps on mountainsides and let just the wind blow through them and just to hear what it sounds like. It's pretty beautiful. Check it out. Banquets, food, trees, water, animals, people, God. All these things have in common? Life. Jesus is life because where God is, there's life. And then at the end of this Apostles' Creed, we see the word amen. It's there on it for a reason. It's, it's a critically important word to have at the end of the Apostles' Creed. We could just say, in the life everlasting, and then sit down. But we don't. We say amen. Amen is a word that means it is so, certainly, verily, probably the most well-known is so be it. So be it. What a way to end this series is by saying to all these words that we've heard, we're saying to God, yes, so be it. Let it be so, God. Let it continue. May, may it be so, resurrection of the body. May it be so, life everlasting for all that will trust in him. Let us pray together this morning. God, indeed, let it be so. And we can ask that, that, that prayer with full confidence that 
your word is sure and steadfast that it will be so. It is so right now. And that the life that you give to your children begins here and now and carries over for all eternity. Lord, we thank you that we can put our trust in you, Jesus, simply by praying to you, God, and saying, Lord, take me as a sinner. Make me new. Give me life today. There's somebody here today or listening that's weary in need of life. Lord, that you are the, you are the prince of life. You are the way and the truth and the life. Everything you touch and encounter with, you give life. So God, we give you our hearts. We give you our lives. Keep our focus on you in this week to come. In Christ's name.